I'm Christian Humes. And I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. And today we'll be discussing the second episode of the 11th series of the modern Doctor Who. <laughs> Sorry. No, that was good. You did that. That was perfect. I'm really excited to talk about this episode because for me, as a person that has watched all the Doctor Who's, this one felt a little bit closer to a return to form. The With Doctor Who especially, there's always like a warm-up period whenever they change Doctors because they're figuring out who the new Doctor is, like they're getting used to it, the companions are forming that relationship. And with this one especially, it's definitely feels the most tender and new of all of them because it's the first woman doctor um and they are really slow dripping the things in because with the other ones there wasn't a creation of the sonic screwdriver and the doctor always had their tardis in like the first episode so really like this is more like these things are more baked in the plot now yeah they they really like hamstrung her i felt maybe to help just like focus on her more i don't know I think also they they wanted to maybe I think for people that have never watched Doctor Who, like for me, um, you know, wanted to really also focus on the characters, the not yeah. not Doctor Who care not Doctor characters, yeah, and kind of have you enter this world through their eyes more through their eyes, yeah, and you know have again like have her not remember who she is, who they are. And having to regain their memory while also building their sonic screwdriver and having to find their TARDIS. And it's like... Yeah, that's smart. Because then, like, the TARDIS and the sonic screwdriver are both, like, pretty, like, versatile, powerful sci-fi elements. They're both very multifunctional. So maybe that and the Doctor all at once would be kind of a lot to consume. They are universally applicable to everything. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you ever grow up watching Rugrats? Did you? Uh, yeah, you didn't have cable. I I, but... I watch. I didn't have I didn't have Nickelodeon, but when I could watch it at friends' house yeah. or whatever, I watched it, and I remember being thoroughly disgusted by that show. Okay, so it was very gross. That being said, Tommy Pickles is the Doctor from Doctor Who on that show. <laughs> he actually his his only thing that he ever has is a screwdriver. He keeps in his diaper. He always takes it out. Oh, that's right. And the main thing it does is it basically wherever he is, he's always able to like unlock the door, open the cabinet, or get out of the baby cage. And it's the it's, primary function of the sonic screwdriver is that it opens or unlocks things. It can do other things yeah. can read and analyze. But it's always an you element basically describe of, the, the three things that she uses it for in this yeah. episode which is uh, scan things to analyze, open doors and close doors. <laughs> yeah, it's, it it is. It's uh, more about a function of access than it is a weapon, but it can be used yes. to turn things on or off, which can be used as a offensive or self defensive mechanism. And yeah, and I do get the sense a lot in this episode and the previous episode too, because um, previous episode she says that she has the line member which ended on with which is only idiots carry knives yeah and this one she kind of goes off about guns a little bit yes and her i get the sense that this character is very it's like all i'm about is the accumulation and distribution of knowledge yes and uh, you know educating and helping people and yeah. i'm not about violence or the and, doctor hates guns yeah um that is something that it, it's a bit in the very first reboot 
with Christopher Eccleston, but not a lot. But it was once it was David Tennant, it became a core like factor of the doctor's personality. And it's very rare when the doctor actually has to use a weapon or like take a life. Yeah. Um, sometimes the doctor has to destroy an entity, but he he always does or she always does everything possible to spare all lives when yeah. I feel like, like an safe, it's safe for this conversation if we want to refer the doc to the doctor as he she or they yeah I think that you know this character is supposed to be I guess non-binary and they can be wherever they want even yeah even this character also it has confusion correct yeah that too. actually happens in the episode which it's was like funny. something about like your daddy your mommy or whatever yeah. like yeah they yeah it's so like she is just as confused as we are. Well, this is the th- the 13th body the doctor has lived through. Yes. And it's and, the first all, one that's a woman. And they're also trying to do this sort of non-gender type yes. of like kind of promotion with it as yeah. well. Um, but I think for me also with this episode, they definitely amped up the camp versus the first episode. It's a very campy show. No, but like I was saying, the first episode was much more. There was a lot more horror elements. Oh yeah, with the like, what was the race? Of, the predator race. I oh, guess I don't remember the name. They reference they were, it in here too. They were nasty though. Um, but basically, um, it was like the skeeth or the skis or something yeah. that was like the thing. But in the first one, it was because I think it mostly took place at night in you know England. I kind of had this like like I said, the more of a attack the block kind of vibe to it. Whereas this one, because it took place on an alien planet. It's a lot more bright. And then when they start kind of running away from those robot things, it, it kind of the the pace of it kind of got all kind of yeah, wacky. Yeah, I mean, the robots were the, the campiest part. I thought the yeah. planet and the race and everything else, even the people in the race yeah. and the like sort of corny, uh, the, the guy throwing the race. Yeah, the um, hologram, yeah. I thought that stuff was pretty great. But the robots were definitely the campiest part. Like, there was a part where they start running away from them and they're getting shot at. And I'm just yeah. like, it looked a little too campy to me. As yeah, far as just for sure. Like, a little too ridiculous. But I, I, I didn't I didn't roll my eyes and say, like, oh, this show sucks. It's more Even just for like, me, I felt a little bit like that. Yeah. And I'm someone who's watched it. Like, every now and then there's episodes where you're like, okay. She's, like, telling and, them zigzag. I'm like, all right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They can't lock onto you. They'll, like, try to push your movement. So zigzag. Um, And it's kind of funny because it, like, it's... They got a nice like set for a lot of this stuff. Like they yeah. go to cool places, but they still because it's television, they kind of shoot action in a very like uncinematic way sometimes. Yeah, it really depends on the episode. It like I could totally see Michael Bay directing the sequence and oh, it being yeah. like super because like, there were intense. sort of a lot of top down style shots. Yes. Yeah. A lot of crane shots. It's like they tried to do like more cinematic stuff, but then they're like, "Oh, we're still like British television, so like we can't quite <laughs> get it out or get all the way there." Um, but yeah, so uh, I don't know. Do we? Is there like can we just dive yeah? In let's or? just go. Let's go through. I mean, the story. We don't have to go exactly beat by beat, but the thing. So the thing we were discussing last time was, all right. So they're just in space. Yeah. <laughs> and my hope and Emily's hope was hopefully the TARDIS is nearby. Because the TARDIS, it, it has a level of sentience. Yeah. And uh, it, in the past, has been shown, like, the doctors just, like, walked outside in space and, like, had the door open and it's fine. Because it would basically put a force field. There would be air. Yeah. That is not the case. They are rapidly very close to death. Yes. And then a ship kind of comes in and grabs them. And then it's a little confusing here because... Essentially, Ryan and Graham 
um, wake up on this alien spaceship. Yeah. With this uh, woman. Yeah. Because they're the woman. And, you know, Yaz and the doctor are missing. And so you're kind of like, well, what happened to them? And then you cut to Yaz and the doctor on another spaceship that looks similar with a man. You know, and it's like they're both on these kind of like I was a little confused the way this kind of episode started because I was like, okay, are they part of the on the same shape spaceship but in different parts or is it two different spaceships? And then they do obviously answer it by saying these two people are on on like sort of an amazing race across the universe, and they it's just weird how they both picked like they were all together as a pair of four, and then two ships picked two of them right like. At the same time, I don't know. It just kind of felt weird. Yeah, I think it just—it's one of those things where it's suspension of disbelief. Um, yeah, you know, they just teleported it's, from it, Earth here. It's less about suspension <laughs> of disbelief. It's just more of like it's kind of confusing for no reason. Yeah, I agree. You know, it is. So, um, I think the point was that like she saw people and she's flying by, so she just scooped up who she could, but she wasn't going to stop in her race. Because she wouldn't go back to look. She was like, I grabbed who I could. And yeah. the other guy also saw people. Also yeah, just, it feels them, almost like, right too after. convenient then. In the yeah. sense that, like, they both stopped and then they yeah. both grabbed who they could. Something the TARDIS does often yeah. is the doctor rarely sets. And it, well, that's not true. But oftentimes the doctor's like, let's see where we're going. And the TARDIS just takes them somewhere. And the TARDIS happens to always take them to a place in which they're in need of the doctor. Or they're in need of someone. And so the doctor... And so when... The doctor used the uh, sonic screwdriver to take them to the TARDIS. And the TARDIS was locked in this place, being the ghost monument the whole time. Yeah. It was as if these two people needed the doctor's help. And so that's why they were there. And although it's convenient, it's just sort of the way that the magic of the TARDIS and the doctor have always. Yeah. That's going to be like a revolving. Yeah. I get it. Um, so then basically we meet. Uh, Epso and Angstrom are the two. Yes. Uh, human character. I kind of wish they were a little more like alien. Yeah, and you will missed opportunity. I was me. actually surprised by this one. You will see very alien-like characters I, I, on this series. I mean, we already have. Yes, but like, yes, it just felt like for this next episode, like the three alien characters that we run into. Yeah. They, you know, are just basically human. There are in the universe of Doctor Who a lot of aliens that basically look like humans or very different. But also part of that has to do with the time in which it takes place. Because we are also led to believe this. They didn't just teleport to another place. They're also in another time. time. Yeah. Because there's a line later basically where the Doctor like says that like I was with Pythagoras like with sunglasses. Yeah. And he's like, the doctor is like, you never wear sunglasses. Like, well, you never met him when he was hung over. <laughs> you know, it's like, ah, ha, ha, time joke. The one thing that has been kept from the old Doctor Who series is they will still always have at least one episode a season that's sort of like a period piece that takes place on Earth with a well-known historical figure. Yeah. There's always one of them. And often they're my least favorite episodes. <laughs> uh, I feel like you might like it. And that's just because I am someone who is usually bored by period pieces. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's sort of a fun holdover from... That was the original concept of the series, was the Doctor and his companion would go to different points in history and you'd learn about them because they'd meet them in, like, real life. Yeah, like Magic School Bus. Yeah. So... Um, 
Yeah, so they basically both ships, one lands safely, one crash lands. The group all basically reunites. That's where, you know, the gang learns that these two people, Epso and Angstrom, are in this race against each other. Um, they all, that's where they find this, and then they find this tent. Where do you think they film this? It's a good sort of Mars analog, right? I thought it looked pretty great. Yeah, it, it it's hard to tell where it is. Yeah. Um, I wonder kind of maybe they would give I guess we had to look up as far as like where you know where the production it seemed is. seemed like they're on location somewhere. It didn't seem like a set. Uh, it seemed like almost a place that was close to the equator in some form or like a desert. It was definitely a desert which is there are no deserts in England. It so, could be it could be somewhere in Spain. Yes, I would say almost like it's... They shot some, like all the sand snake stuff for Game of Thrones in Spain. Yeah. Yeah, well, they shot that, yeah, because in Madrid of all the, uh, yeah. the sort of Islamic kind of buildings and stuff. Yeah, that would be maybe the best guess. I could see Spain. I could see Morocco. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of production that happens there sometimes. Yeah. Um, You know, I don't know. I guess it depends on, I guess where they decided to shoot productions. I would be shocked if a lot of this was green screen. It didn't seem like a set. It really looked on location. No, a lot, like all this, you know, other than like the ship stuff and then inside yeah. the tent stuff, um, everything else and like when they were underground and stuff, but like all the outdoor stuff looked like on location someplace. Correct, yeah. Um, you know, almost like, because when they, when they get to that, the, the, the boat thing. And right. Thing that, um, it reminded me of the Dead Sea. Yes, it does. So that's why I don't I think of, they were in like Israel though. No, that's what I'm saying. Like it's almost like Israel, which is like yeah. why I think Morocco and yeah, way. that's but, possible. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting. They learned that basically, like this whole planet is desolate. And that's like the name it's of the dead. Planet. There aren't even microbes, and the, but there is like flesh eating microbes in the water. Yes. So, but everything else is completely. And dead. then there's also like flesh eating clothing. Oh, uh, the dementors that they face. Yeah, off the de- oh, that is. They're basically like they're like dementors. <laughs> Yeah, that's what my my note was like. Um, so when they land and they meet, what's his name, Lynn? Uh, the hologram. Yeah. Uh, Ilan. Uh, Ilan. Ilan. Yeah. Ilan. Uh, so they meet Ilan, who he's a hologram there, but he actually is a real guy. Yes. And I believe he said he won the race the last time, so now he's putting on the new race. Yes, and I I found him a little boring. <laughs> I yeah, it. I didn't I, really listen to what he said. I did too. The only thought thing I found interesting was he was like, "Listen, only one of you gets to leave this planet, and those four are inconsequential to this. So yeah. you may as well just leave them behind and get going." Yeah. Um, it's interesting because there's two. And I guess this is tied into episode one because they bring up how this is part of that other race of sort of aliens that are causing these type of things. But it seems like. This is now two episodes in a row where, like, there's some sort of competition involved. Yeah. You know? One was the hunting sport, and this one's, like, a race type of thing. So, I thought that was kind of an interesting. That seems to be a plot device they're using. Um, yeah. So, then they are all on this, I guess, going to go to the same place at once. Uh, Epso is shows off his, like, cigar. His, like, cool cigar that he's going to smoke when he wins the race which will come in handy later uh for a reason but then uh they get to this like blown out mall shopping mall thing (laughs) 
where that's where they meet all these like sort of robot thing, like human humanoid robots that. Well, and what I thought was interesting here was, it's at this point where, Espo he is like screw you guys, but they sort of convinced. Um, what was her the, name? The, the female uh, Angstrom. Angstrom. So they sort of convinced Angstrom to allow them to tag along, and like we're going to be yes. helpful because they already were figuring out the solar stuff. Yes. With the power. Or like, because the doctors already sort of figured out. I believe the ghost monument is my TARDIS. Yeah, because remember in that in that initial thing with Illin, they he shows like the hologram of what yeah the ghost monument and it's the TARDIS. Yeah, and she's like, oh, that's like that's why we have to go with them. Correct, because it was here and now it's not, and it's phasing in and out, and we gotta. Yes. Um. Yeah, and you're right. So like, uh, Epso is. He's all about himself. He's selfishly like I'm doing that, and it seems like Angstrom is ha- is more empathetic to these travelers, and is like, well, you can come with me because we learned from her is that her planet has been attacked by those teeth monster, basically people, and her family is either in hiding or on the run, and she hopes to win this competition that right. will give her the most money to unite them all and safely ha- keep them all together. And what I found so interesting is. You know, after you figure all this out and the doctor's doing a great job of helping lead them and they're sort of trapped because all the robots are there and she realizes, okay, if we don't do any threatening and we're smart, we're just going to get through here. It'll be fine. But of course, that idiot has to pull a weapon. Yeah. He shoots one of the robots. They all like start then going to kill mode. That's when the yep. can't be running around trying to save himself. There's this weird wacky moment with Ryan Sinclair. Okay, so <laughs> I want to hear what you think about this because I have thoughts about this. Like I like the setup to it yeah. where he's like, you know, the sort of debate between the doctor and Ryan basically like he's like, I'm going to take one of these guns and I'm going to go out there and start, you know, I'm going to blast our way out. And then she's like, that's pointless. And he's like, we can use, you know, knowledge and worries. Like sometimes you need a gun to like get things yeah, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then he goes out there with one of the things and like shoots them all. And then he like kind of has this like Bill Paxton and aliens kind of routine where he's like, yeah, yeah, come get some. And then they all like well, regenerate. He's playing a video game. Yeah, yeah. Right. And then he regenerates and then he starts just like screaming yeah. and like running back. And it was so. And he's trying to figure out how to reload it. He has no idea how to use reload, the gun. Reload. And it, yeah, it, it was weird. <laughs> because I think it was also kind of like I. It was weird, but I did like it in the sense that Ryan, up to this point, has been very one note as yeah, an actor. That's what I appreciated about this. And it was, it was good to maybe act. seem a little bit more like, oh, he has a comedic side. Yeah. Because like I thought it was like, oh, is he just going to be kind of the moody? Uh, like, I'm sad that my nan has died. And yeah. like, I'm just kind of be like. Well, I appreciate that he put himself on the line, too. It's very, you know. Yeah. He really earned some valor there, right? He. Yeah. I think it's hard because with him and Yaz they both are very similar in a lot of ways in terms of but she's the skeptic and he's he's willing to usually just go along right away right isn't isn't that Yaz's like whole thing is she's sort of more of the skeptic I thought Graham is more like is the the most skeptic he's it's weird it's like he seems like the most verbally the most skeptic but he still kind of goes along with everything and then Yaz seems the most like she kind of always. But Yaz was the one at the beginning who was like, "I don't she like." She questions episode, things, but she like, also kind yeah. of. She seems to be the most on board with the doctor sometimes. Okay, so I think that's where where they have the most connection. So yes, with the doctor, I think she aligns well. But I feel like Yaz questions and is a skeptic about everything else. She's like, "Okay, listen, I know you know everything, but like, 
we're also not in this race or in another time. Like, yeah, because she she just doesn't believe the weird things happening around her yeah. is what I feel like she's skeptical about. Yes. Whereas Ryan's on board with that stuff, but he's like, no, I got to do stuff my way. Yeah, and then Graham is just Graham, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, when- I think I think Graham's fun because he might be set up for like really interesting story moments later. Whereas yes. I feel like Ryan and Yaz, I think. It seems like their story is like for them to sort of learn from each other and find they, out, kind of find out who they are. Yeah, and then like maybe Graham's more of like reclaiming who he was, or like finding right. like kind of that spark in them, and just well, because Graham was supposed to die. Yes, and so it's like Graham's getting a second chance at life. I I wouldn't be shocked if there's like a self sacrifice or like I really don't know if he's gonna make it to the end of the series. It's possible. Um. He does bring so the funny thing happens earlier when Graham is like he ba- like you didn't need to ask this question, but for some reason the show like had to ask and then answer it, which is he goes, Well, how can like you all understand speak English and understand us? And then she's like, Well, we implanted something in your neck that allows you to like understand all these other languages. Well, so this is a fun one because that's actually something that's come up almost every season yeah. with new companions. Yeah. And usually the TARDIS, the translator from the TARDIS, can do it. Will do that for you. Yeah. But this is like, I just thought it was funny that I, I get that question. It's like, yeah. like a real snooty person would be like, well, how can they, you know, like they're aliens. Why are they speaking English? And I'm like, it's a fantastical world and yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. you didn't, like, I get, like, you can understand, like, I get asking that question, but then it's just funny that they ask it and then they immediately answer it. Well, I appreciate that Graham with is another like, glow, and then they make fun of it where he's like, "Why are people keep putting shit in me?" Yeah, he's like, "I didn't consent to this," and the doctor's like, "Well, you wouldn't have been able to if they were speaking a different language." <laughs> yeah, so I just thought, like, well, how can yeah? Sometimes you just got to get the implant, man. It almost would have been funny for me if I was like crafting the show that first initial scene where like. They are waking up, or they, you know, Graham wakes up with Ryan, and the girl is trying to talk to them, and they don't understand. And she's like, "Oh, like," and then she adjusts her thing, and then she speaks English. Yeah, that would be good. That would almost been better. Yeah, then we implanted something into you. (laughs) Yeah, you know, because that last thing you got implanted was going to liquefy your DNA, and now we just put something else that doesn't do that, but instead translates. You know. yeah, so uh, what do you think about the Dementors? So the uh, the cloth monsters, um, the Dementors. At, oh, at this point, it reminded me so much of Serenity, the plot of Serenity. Oh, okay, yeah. You know when they get to that that planet, yeah, and it was like, oh, we like were researching and we made something, and like this was very similar. It was like these scientists on this planet they created basically yeah. monsters. I guess here's here's how I feel about them. Is I think they're conceptually pretty good. It felt like it was almost one note too many for the story, and they could have had a different op. They definitely needed one more obstacle, but I don't know if it needed to be this new monster because they had to be introduced so fast and then defeated so quickly. Whereas typically on Doctor Who, you have one force to deal, to deal with, with, yeah, and you really give it time. and And there have been so many really clever monsters that I've seen on this series that just blow my mind this one i thought oh this is a really fun thing but it didn't really tie into everything else we had seen yeah it's like between you know the hologram man the robot had it been something digital of some kind uh, something electronic whether it was even if it was like a hive mind 
like a swarm of bots, that would have been fine because it would have tied together, but it didn't. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it, it's just, it was fine. It reminded me a little bit of Pitch Black 2 with like the night monsters that yeah. come out in that as well. Yeah. Um, it was creepy, though. It's probably the creepiest part of the whole when episode. They, when they basically like strangle Epso. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, it's kind of, it's scary and cool. And, and then, and then when they're being surrounded and on this kind of sandy area and, that's when the cigar comes into play. and Well, and there's that moment where they're sort of reading their minds and talking oh, yeah, to yeah. the doctor. And she's like the, the chosen child or whatever they say. Yeah. The time child. Yeah. She's like, what'd you call me? You... There's a lot of things with the doctor, if you're new to the series, where it's hard to know exactly in the universe what the current state of the Time Lords is, which is what the doctor's uh, species is. Um they either might or might not exist or or they do currently exist, but they're sort of like trapped out of time in another dimension. But ultimately, they're generally not really around. They have mm-hmm. popped up now and then or the doctor has found his way in the past back to that planet. But there was a major war between the Time Lords uh, and the doctor ultimately like froze them in time to like end the Stop war. It, yeah. Because yeah, there was no way to like really end it otherwise. So they yeah. like locked them in time and space, which was wild. And so the doctor's kind of the only real time lord out there. There are technically some others, but I don't know what the canon. Other than like the master. Yeah, but even the master died. So like, oh. but we don't know. Will the master be back or not? Like, you think? Uh, we don't know. Which the master was the first time Lord we ever saw change sexes and mm. change genders on the show. Mm. That's the first time that had happened, um, and it was she was she was probably actually the best version of the master. It was wild. Nice. She was a psycho. Nice. Um, so I thought that was weird because one thing I read about this series is the first season they said is very there's like going to be like some of a thread, but it's really way more monster of the week. They said. Yeah, uh, that's what I'd read. Yeah, it's fine. It's interesting, but it is a deviation from what they had started doing with the show more. Yeah, and so for them to already hint at like this past of the Doctor, I feel like there's definitely going to be these overarching things that are showing up because they've already now referenced the one monster, the the aliens that were hunters now in two episodes. Yeah, and they brought up how like Earth is like up for hunting season which is yeah. something that's new to the canon and they're hinting at her past so yeah i don't know if that's even true it seems like they're trying to to lie to us in these interviews it's not like they've ever lied before in yeah releases. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and then yeah they basically burn off all the cloth monsters using the cigar seemed way too easy yeah it again. It was like Hell a, a little bit, little bit of a campiness too, because they set this like basically ball of fire on, yeah. And then they're all just kind of laying in the sand, and it's still ongoing. And they're like, "Let's crawl out of this." <laughs> Why does she have them dig? To get lower, but like, they would have only gotten lower in their own little circle. Then they lay down. Yeah, so like, it didn't really make sense. Okay, I think it's one of those things like it maybe made more sense in the script. Yeah, and then it just kind of didn't quite. <laughs> yeah, I was confused by the digging. Yeah. Um yeah, and then basically uh Epso realizes that he's kind of a selfish asshole and then realizes like okay, Anstrom, I'll share the you know, well let's beat the thing together. And then <laughs> they get to Illin at the ending and he's like, "Nope. I'm not going to let you tie. It's never happened before." And then they both like decide to just threaten him. He's like, "Fine. 
It's a tie. Like, yeah. No convincing. <laughs> or very little. Very little convincing. Um, and then they go on their merry way. And then that's when... Uh, uh, there's a moment though, right before, like before the TARDIS is discovered, where she's like, "Oh shit! Like we're left on this planet." Yeah, and the companions, you know, the Doctor is v- brilliant, but there are times where the Doctor is going to screw up and needs like the companions as well. And this was one of the moments where the companions were like, "Hey, you taught us to not give up, and that there's always other solutions." Like, yeah, I understand that you suddenly feel desperate and like we're out of options, but you already showed us that that's never the case. Yeah. And so then, of course, once they turn her around, we hear the TARDIS sound, the sort of weird whirring yeah. that the TARDIS makes. And it's on the, the nearby uh, rock. Yep. And then they, you know, Graham's like, why is that telephone booth or that police booth? Yeah, the police box. Yeah. Like, what the hell is that? And then, like the tent in Harry Potter, you know, you open, it's a small police box. Yeah, but I was waiting it's for giant that. giant on the inside. I was waiting for that. The uh, classic line is the companion always walks in and they say it's bigger on the inside. Um, which was like, it was so weird that that didn't happen in the first episode because that's like a Doctor Who staple. Whenever there's a new companion, like, is it, they and meet this is it a brand new interior, in. too, right? They have rebooted the interior pretty much every time they reboot the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. This has a weird golden honeycomb look the, to it. This is the most organic the Looking. it has ever looked. Okay. Yes. It and was right. Very different. And right before. before it cuts to credits, it's like it gives her a cliff bar or something. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like she's about to bite into. I don't know what, the, what was that about. But <laughs> yeah, it has um, it has like Time Lord energy. Yeah. Inside the TARDIS, so they're sort of like psychically linked in a way. Hmm. Yeah, I think I, I'm I'm I like the more because I've seen video of like the older versions where it's like just looks like a. Like a you know old like a set of just computer equipment and other crap put together. Yeah, the, and then this one looks more like an alien organic kind of. They've thing never there. looked organic. This really looks significantly different than all of them. So I'm not even sure how much. I don't know that I dislike it, but I need to see it in operation because yeah. I was like, where's is there even a console? Like, what do you do? Because <laughs> there's just like these big crystals, yeah, and these strange, almost like gear-like metal <laughs> structures everywhere. Because um, the Doctor lives in the TARDIS, also. It's like there's usually other rooms and stuff. You never really see them yeah. often. Sometimes you would see like shots of them a little bit. It's but... very um, like Vulcan or Klingon. It oh, it's yes, it's mm-hmm. very yes, almost but that type it, of alien. It matches her. Sonic screwdriver. Her Sonic screwdriver yeah, is very yeah. like it has this crystal. It's the like steampunky. Kind of yeah, yeah. It's like chunky. Uh, yeah, her vape pen. Yeah, yeah, her vape pen. She's gonna rip fat clouds. <laughs> That's it. it's a Sonic screwdriver and vape pen. Yeah, you know, for the modern age. I I I think it's cool though. Um, mostly because it really is new. So I'm excited to see it in action now. Yeah, uh, me too. And, and uh, this would be. I just want to. I want to give the listeners a preview for next week, and it's why I was mentioning the history thing. Okay. Next week, did you see the the preview? No, I did not. Yo, it's wild. It's gonna be with Rosa Parks. Oh, jeez. So it looks like they're gonna have to keep like Rosa Parks alive or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Oh, thank you, uh, uh, Tardis. Ignore, ignore that. So it looks like they're gonna have to keep. It it looks insane, which is also weird because. 
they do do things with American history from time to time, but it is significantly yeah. less often than any kind of European. You know, you see like a lot of Charles Dickens and things like that. You'll see, you know, Pompeii, but we've never really seen the civil rights movement in the U.S. That's true. So that's kind of weird and fun. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait till they go to like 1966 Oakland and help the black, you know, the Black Panthers. Like, yeah, it's gonna be sure. <laughs> it's gonna be very strange. It's gonna be very strange. <laughs> and stop the JFK assassination. <laughs> Just crafty 1960s history. <laughs> the JFK assassination was actually done by the guy with the teeth in his face. Oh yeah, and then he goes and collects. <laughs> he collects his JFK's teeth. teeth. Okay, now it's time to move on. Uh, that is a gross picture. John, if people would like to know what you're up to uh, in you time can, and space. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Johnny B. Good in LA. Uh, follow my website at johnmurphywrites.com or listen to me also on the Zeitheist podcast or Wishboning. Yeah, new episode of that out um, at Christian underscore Humes. We're at hashtag watchworld. And I thought instead of leaving with a quote um, from week to week, John, I had a fun... I had a fun one because I like this series tagline this year yeah. for Doctor Who. It's about, it's about time. time.